This is a Stimulus Network podcast. Welcome to the Inside the Petri Dish podcast, the podcast that puts science under the microscope. I'm Alice Gray. I'm Vicky Blight. I'm Ty Aziz. And we are back doing a live episode at Cardiff Science Festival. Woo! See, this is when you clap, so yeah. it sounds like there are <laughs> millions. Oh, so many people. Oh, millions of us braved the storm. Yeah, there's just um, a sea of people so <laughs> excited. Um, but yeah, and we're back from Cardiff Science Festival in the vault of uh, Little Man Coffee uh, in an intimate gig for... Oh, intimate areas. You're saying intimate for the reason that we're talking about S E S. Yeah, we're talking about sex today. <laughs> Bonking. <laughs> I I actually looked at the Cardiff Science Festival website earlier, and um, so I saw our little session, and then I I noted how you'd written bonking, rogering, just a whole string of. I put uh, frotting, which I thought was just um do you want me to explain it for you? <laughs> i've never heard this word so I i'm thought intrigued it was vigorous sexual rubbing apparently <laughs> apparently it's when mm. um two men put their foreskins over each other and i was like oh, oh no i put that on I, the website oh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> i think it can be used for numerous activities mm. let's go with that yeah. so yeah, you know it. pick one and yeah <laughs> frot anyway <away>. frot. <laughs> we encourage a bit of frotting <laughs> and so suitably because we're all novices when it comes to sex the fact you got yeah, foreskin we... into the first minute <laughs> of this podcast 10 minutes in foreskin's been four mentioned. women sitting on chair talking about foreskin great yes we should, we should have made bingo cards for how many dirty words we could have gotten yes. in i'm so sad that we didn't think of that earlier so yeah um, suitably because we're all not novices for nobbing <laughs> We have a, a sex expert with us today, um, sex educator Sean Jones, who writes for Scarletine.com. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for Ooh, having hello, me. Hello, Sean. So, Sean, tell us a little bit about Scarletine.com. Um, so, Scarletine is a website, but it's more than that. It's um, uh, an educational resource um, for teens and emerging adults, which is very focused on truly inclusive supportive, empowering sex education. So it's, you know, founded and run by lots of women, lots of queers, lots of people who perhaps wouldn't have found what they were looking for in the mainstream sex education, if they had mainstream sex education. <laughs> um, we'll be lucky. And so it's, you know, been going over two decades now. There's thousands and thousands of articles on literally everything that you ever wanted to know about sex but um it's also got a lot of direct services so um you can join the message boards and be like hey um <laughs> do my labia look normal <laughs> um, do you know what it was like we had a psychic connection there because <laughs> i was about to say um, um, do my labia look normal to you <laughs> not mine particularly but i was going to talk about labia length but yeah that's random maybe that's because i watched sex education recently and they were talking about that <laughs> such a good program i'm pretty so sure good. every woman has wondered that at some point yeah. though right does my labia yeah. look normal are they too big are they misshaped or brown or yeah. <laughs> are they the right color true Yes. And the answer is always yes, they are normal. Well, that's such a fantastic thing to have because it was not uh, talked about very well when I was um, a teenager. And I was just kind of bumbling my way through of like, I don't know what's normal at all. Where did you grow up, Alice? Like in terms of... <laughs> what are you saying? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. Like how, like we, I imagine we all grew up in different parts of the yeah. country. So mm. in terms of sex education... Did you have good sex education? Was was it something that you remember having at school? So did your parents talk openly about it? My parents did not. And do you know what? We called period pads thingies in my house. <laughs> it was like a code name. A thingy for your thingy. A thingy for my thingy. <laughs> we, we didn't have a name for um, genitals. It was just my bits. Um, which my brother used as well, and we have very different bits. Very so, different bits. <laughs> and I remember my dad having to, my mum had to go and look after my granddad um, for a few months when I was a teenager and started my periods. And my dad just sort of walked into my room with like this 
bag extended at in front of him. Like, Do not these are for them. you from your mum. And I was like, oh, a present. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. Oh, okay, thank you. It was just horrendous. But our sex education was absent in school. So where did you get your sex education? Where did you go then for info if you weren't getting it? I think the info at school then. Friends, friends, because I was, we had back in the day when you had a communal computer, I was not Googling anything on a communal computer because my parents also didn't understand parental controls. So you'd put something innocent in and porn would come up. So (laughs) I was like, I'm getting a real insight into (laughs) your youth. This is the reference point for my sex education and my mum's understanding of sex. So my sister is an artist and during college, um, you'd in an art college, you'd get points if you went to a gallery, and you'd um, towards your your um, your studies. And so what you do is you bring the postcards back from the gallery and pop it pop it in your folder. And my mum had gone to a gallery exhibition, and she'd been, Ellie. I've gone to a gallery exhibition. I bought postcards back for you. Um, so you can pop them in your folder. It was beautiful. It was shoes made out of fabric. And she started showing my sister these shoes. And my sister was looking at the shoes <laughs> and looking at my mum. And she goes, Mum, do you know that these these shoes are meant to look like vaginas? <laughs> and my mum, who owns a vagina, hadn't... She owns one. Hadn't put two and two together. Pre-loved, yeah. And then my sister went out for a bit, picked up her friend and who also went to art college and she got home and she went, Mum, where are the postcards? I wanted to show my friend Francis the postcards. My mum went, I burnt them. <laughs> I put them on the fire. Wow. So that is my sort of... Yeah, that shows me from. your household attitude. Yeah. There's a lot of shame going on there. Shame about the vag. Yeah. Shame about talking about it. Well, this shame is about thing. sanitary products. This I think that's quite common though, isn't it? I, I, I would say that it was certainly the same for my household coming from a very traditional Asian household periods were super taboo no one talked about them and sex was never discussed not even mabbits so you've got <laughs> one up on mabbits. me <laughs> yeah you've certainly got one up on me what about you Vicky because I feel like a lot of sex education is uh, orientated to one direction okay I know where this is going um, so are, are we talking about sex education in terms of same-sex couples yes um yeah I didn't have any um, I remember, I remember having the conversation, having the sex, you know, traditional sex conversation with your parents and my parents were quite young and they were quite open about it and that was all fine. And I just, they, they, they took the, the attitude that they'd give me a bit of information and then just let me kind of go away. And then I come back with another question. So they wouldn't just kind of say everything in one go. So I'd be like, yeah, I rem- my mum remembers me coming back. I'd have, we'd had a conversation about sex. And, and I'd gone off and then like the next day went, so I was thinking about this sex. This sex. This sex, yeah. And you said that the man's penis goes into the lady's vagina. And they were like, mm-hmm. And I said, but, but it's floppy, so how does it get in there? <laughs> and I said, well, it, it gets hard. Oh, how? <laughs> well, the blood go, oh, does it hurt? No, no, it can sometimes be annoying, but yeah, it <laughs> happens when you don't want it to. Um, but yeah, and so actually I was I was really quite lucky. My parents were really open, but obviously the whole gay thing, we didn't talk about lesbian sex. I'm not sure they, they're experienced in the, in the whole- <laughs> Not well-versed. Not well-versed in the whole lesbian sex thing. Um, I remember coming out to my parents initially when I was like 15 and sort of saying, I think I might be gay. And they said, well, you know, you're going through loads of changes at the moment. Is there someone, you you know, one of your friends you fancy? I'm like, no, not really. They said, well, just wait till you get to university and then just, you know, you, you're free to experiment then. Which, you know. <laughs> do, do you hear us telling 15, 16 year old straight kids to like, that they're going through a phase and yeah, to wait until uni because then they might settle down and, and I figure think, it out. I think it's that, that not, not wanting to sort of just go, this is, yes, definitely, this is what you feel or... Or, oh, no, 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 you can't be feeling that. I think it's it's hard, isn't it? I, ge- I guess it's hard as a parent because you don't, you almost don't want to put the label on your child too young if 
they do decide actually they're bi or or they just don't identify as as either or whatever it might be so so yeah but I, I do remember it kind of being a whole well that's for you to experiment with that that's was the end of you. the conversation <laughs> so um so yeah it was you know learning on the job so as a learning on the job <laughs> I just registered that sorry <laughs> um as a sexpert, I love that title. Um, I love that I've suddenly earned that oh, title. <laughs> I've given it to you. It's Wonderful. like a weird knighting ce- ceremony, but I'm a sexpert. <laughs> a sword. Um, what are the common misconceptions you hear about? Um, I, there are so many that I don't know where to start. So maybe if I go back to kind of my formative um memories i think probably the worst piece of sex education that i ever received um and i i grew up in a household which was relatively liberal my parents told me that there were condoms in the bathroom cupboard and that they weren't counting um so at least like i didn't have that shame ingrained deeply in but that doesn't mean that i really knew anything beyond okay sex is a thing that people do apparently um and then watching American Pie. <laughs> okay. Um, you thought a pie was involved. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think a pie was involved, but I do remember one particular scene where um, one woman turns to another and was like, so, like, how do I know if I've had an orgasm? And the other turns to her and she's like, well, well, you just know. And that kind of stuck with me for years. Um, and, and if you kind of think about later in that movie, you know, this girl's never knowingly had an orgasm, but then suddenly her boyfriend gives her one by doing the right thing, right? Um, <laughs> so as if it's like this like passive thing that just like suddenly one day out of the blue comes to you. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I, I mean, I've, that's not a thing that I've, I've ever felt necessarily, so probably, probably I haven't. Um, <laughs> which then led to me, you know, years and years go by until like I realize, oh wait, no, no, this is a thing that for some people is like, just happens one day, but some people like, you actually have to learn how, right? And I think this is um one of the things about sex more broadly is that we tend to think that um, suddenly you're you're meant to just naturally know what you want to do, right? And how to do everything and just instinctively be good at it and you have to be good, but you can't learn. There's no like <laughs> there's no there's no like process. It it just has to magically all come to you. Um and so I think that one of the biggest things I see is is people struggling with, oh well, everything's not like perfect instantly. I don't know how to do everything instantly. So I'm feeling a lot of um, performance anxiety, I'm feeling a lot of shame, I'm feeling a lot of confusion, I'm thinking that maybe this is just never a thing that's going to be good or enjoyable for me. Um, and so we don't appreciate that there's this learning curve. We're like, oh, one minute you're a virgin, whatever even is that, um, and the next you're not, and suddenly that's some magical gateway and you go <laughs> through it and you know everything now. <laughs> Um, you turn into a sex bird. <laughs> <laughs> you leave yeah. the bedroom door and there's just someone in a suit saying, welcome to the club. <laughs> Graduation ceremony. Throw your hat. Because I looked back at my, after we decided we wanted to do this topic, I looked back at my sort of teenage years and thought about the things that I didn't realise about sex and, and more broadly like my own body and um a couple things came to mind mostly around um learning things versus in in sex ed like sex ed versus learning them in biology class and then being very different places to get Mm. your information about sex and stuff from and i remember um you know as as women you get told that you need to check your breasts you when you've got breasts now teenage girls fondle them (laughs) When you're, I don't know. They actually told you that in school? Yeah, check your breasts for lumps. But what they didn't mention is that breasts are full of stuff and they're naturally quite lumpy. (laughs) And even more lumpy when you've got your period. Yeah. Yeah. So So you, for a week, go, oh my God. And then all of a sudden, oh no, I can't find it again now. That's it. It's all the end. (laughs) 
genuinely years I was like, well, that's it. Just waiting to die. Because I didn't want to tell anyone either because, I, yeah. you know. And the same thing with, I. no one talks to you about discharge. I'm going to say the word discharge. Wow, foreskin and discharge within like 15 minutes. 50 points. Right. Um, no one talks about discharge and what it's meant to look like or you know, whatever. And I remember sitting in a biology class about STDs and them talking about chlamydia and being like, oh no, <laughs> I have got <laughs> it. I've got it. 13 year old me never even held hands with someone who's like, oh, I've got chlamydia. Oh no, oh no. And then eventually being like, oh, this is just. No, genitals are just gunky things. Yeah, self-cleaning, magical. <laughs> it does it all itself it's fantastic <laughs> magical things they are magical things but it, but you're right it's that we get given the basics don't we it's it's the whole like right this plus this equals this um you you get most of your education if you like from seeing films or tv and, and seeing people getting it on and being like oh right that's how they're doing it okay um i noticed the head tilt there of like you know you gotta appreciate these things from all angles <laughs> from all angles um and but but the point is that actually it's asking we need somewhere to go to ask all of these little questions as they pop into your head and i guess it's the principle of like i had with my parents they'd give me a bit of info i'd come back i'd ask another question because i felt comfortable to ask a question but not everyone feels like that so you need I think we need to sort of almost spin it round and go, yeah, people, we've all got bloody internet. We can all find out, you know, we can name parts of a penis or a vagina or whatever it might be, but we want to know about discharge or have I got an STI or, you know, as is it meant to look like that? Is it the right colour? Like, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's it's those questions that worry us more, that cause more anxiety, that, that bring the shame. Because you're going into a sexual experience being like, what if someone goes, oh, that's weird. That is not the reaction when you take off, that you want when you take off your clothes. Someone will be like, huh. <laughs> no, no, probably huh. not. <laughs> Things would probably take an abrupt <laughs> turn, <laughs> wouldn't but, they? But yeah, we have this assumption that that's the reaction that someone's going to have mm. when, you know, we, we undress with them. Or, or at least this is the thing that I'm seeing a lot with users at Scarletine. It's like, oh, like I'm really worried about this thing and how like my future partners are going to feel about it. And I'm like, your future partners are just going to be really chuffed to be naked with you, right? <laughs> like, if you're doing it right, no one really cares about that. And I think that um, one of the things that we do in our sex education right now is we kind of focus on the negative, like all these like possible risks. Oh, you might get pregnant. You might get an STI. You might get your heart broken. Um, but what we don't do is talk about, wait a minute, guys, like sex is meant to be fun. So if it doesn't feel good, why, why are you doing it? Um, and when we kind of like reorientate that and do like pleasure-centered sex education, where we're saying um, your only goal is to like be having a good time with another person or with yourself, then it radically changes our or relationship. Multiple other people, exactly. Um, yeah, and it radically definitely. changes. All right, Alice, <laughs> we only did an episode about finding you a date the other day. <laughs> Christ. Now we've got to find you three. <laughs> I'm playing sex bingo. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but I definitely feel like that's what's lacking from traditional sex education. Sex is always seen as something that you should be afraid of or wary of. It's something dangerous if you don't do it properly. You can catch all these diseases. You can get pregnant. But yeah, I'll never no point in school were you ever taught that sex is something to be enjoyed that it's for bonding with an actual human being and it's something really special and yeah you can have a great time with someone and i definitely think that messaging is different for girls and boys so Absolutely. Yeah. you know for boys do whatever you want go wherever you want doesn't matter girls you will be pregnant you, do you want an abortion? Don't go everywhere you want. Don't do whatever you <laughs> don't even look at anybody like yeah. it's so different and i think um i think it neatly kind of leads on to the next topic we want to talk about, which is HPV. And that's because um, recently, during your regular smears, you get a smear every year, they will now test for HPV in that smear. And it's, as a result, more women have found out that they have HPV. And that's because it is a very common virus for women to have, which is like, I think it was 70 to 80% of women um, will get HPV in their lifetime. But it's so shamed 
that's a, that virus is so shameful for a lot of people. And um, this, there was a recent study that found that women who find out they get HPV, that they've got HPV, um, feel that they can't have sex for the rest of their lives, um, feel shamed um, or that they've done something wrong. Uh, and that's because we talk about it like it's an STD. And there's an actual sort of... We should just say it's a cold, but for your family. But also, actually, <laughs> why are we that. shaming people for having any STDs as well, yes, right? Exactly. So, so it's it's like okay, well, it's not it's not a real STD. Also, then puts anyone that does have any yeah. of, any of mm. the wide variety of other sexually transmitted infections um, in this box of like, oh no, no, they're okay, but you you did something bad yeah, that's, which that's really true because if we've got an infection up our nose or we've got you know an ear infection <laughs> a or a throat infection or a cold or chicken pox or all of these things it, you know we think of our physical health and we think about you know everywhere apart from there you know and then that's seen as oh for God, listeners she, at home she adjusted to her genitals I looked at the crotch <laughs> yeah. um and but it's that whole thing that we've spoken about on the podcast before about mental health versus physical health. We're very accepting of going to the doctor and talking about our physical health. That's fine to say, yeah, I'm struggling. I've had a sore throat for three weeks. I can't get rid of it. But the fact that if, if you go to the doctor and or you're talking to your colleagues about your mental health, it's seen as, oh, well, you know, we don't we don't talk about that. And it kind of STIs and things like that. Again, there's the embarrassment. There's that shame. It's, it's seen as, oh, my God, if you've got an infection there, you've clearly been you know, being naughty or so doing something flag. you shouldn't. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> where are you getting these reference points from? So people talk to me. Standard? Yeah. yeah. Oh, was sure. just a slag? Oh, get get on my slag. <laughs> HPV. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's. I think I think you're you're absolutely right. We are programmed to think that an STI is something we've done. You know, we should be ashamed. We've done something wrong. Everyone is having sex and with multiple people. And there is no it's such thing as completely risk-free sex either. You know, we can we can do everything right. We can have safer sex. We can um, use all the barriers all of the time. But ultimately, if you're going to rub your body against another person's body, you're going to come into contact with whatever they're carrying at some point. Which could be called frotting in some <laughs> Yes, it could. <laughs> Yes, that does make me feel better though because I got my invitation to get my pap smear done recently because I'm 25. So it is the first time I'll be getting it done. You're so young. I know, but it's scary. And you know, when I saw the leaflet, I don't really know that much about HPV. So, because you, you haven't uh, in England, you th this is your first one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. When you're 25, because in Wales you have them from your 21. So oh, and Australia, I think is. I want to say it's 18. But they have to pay for them because mm. it's insurance, healthcare. But yeah, that will be your first one. So like, how are you feeling about it? I don't know. This is helping me alleviate some of my nerves, but I'll admit I was quite nervous and I didn't know whether to talk to my partner about it or not because I had that, you know, like you said, that sort of shame about what if I'm positive and do I tell him and how do I deal with that? So yeah, quite nervous actually. That was one of the other outcomes from the study as they found that... Um, People who found women or people who own a cervix who found out they had. They <laughs> 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 own a course. Like a <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. trying to be. Secondhand cervix. <laughs> I mean, Some I guess deal. you could use the word <laughs> have. Yeah. <laughs> I like own though, because it. Own it. I, I own, own my body. I own my cervix. Um, but yeah. People who have a cervix who found out they've got HPV feel like um, that quite a significant number of them will assume that someone's cheated rather than thinking, well, this is just something that gets carried no, on my skin. This is something that like two in five of us carry at any one time. Yeah. Like you've you had sex with five people. Well, two of them were probably carrying HPV. You've been exposed to it at but, some point. But also it's on our skin all the time. Uh, HPV causes either something benign like a wart or it causes something more sinister like a cancer. And it also healthy people clear it from their bodies within six to 12 months. So in between you having a smear, you could have had HPV and got rid of it. So actually the probably... The number of people who have HPV is probably a lot larger than we think. Yeah, so like this, the statistics that I've seen have put it between 80 and 90 people percent of people have it at some point in their lifetimes. 90 percent of people, um, you know, that that's a, re a transient asymptomatic infection that clears by itself and has no clinical consequences. So, okay, yeah, um, 
a, a small subset of them may cause warts or cancer, but most of the time you don't even know you've got it and it passes by itself. And it, it's only because now they're bringing in the tests into the into the smears that suddenly people who have a cervix and have smear tests find, find out that they're carrying it. Whereas, you know, if, if you have a penis, you might be carrying it for years and you might be reinfected multiple times and with different strains and never know because there is no test. Yeah, because there's, yeah, there's no test for penises, which is mental. Mm. And also, obviously... Are we, have we all had the HPV vaccine? No, because I'm really old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I didn't have the HPV vaccine because it wasn't a thing when I was that age. I have had HPV. I have had treatment for precancerous cells of my cervix as a result of HPV. Um, so, you know, I'm one of the, the three out of four women that have had it and um, didn't know about it, didn't have any symptoms, had a routine smear test, test came back abnormal, had another one came back with uh, a grading of the cells. And so I went for colposcopy, um, which is when they put a camera there and have they dye your cervix and have a good look at it, which I know Oof. you've got experience of yeah. quite recently. Oh, um, and you're kind of in the system and they keep an eye on it, keep an eye on it, keep an eye on it. And then it gets to the point where, you know, it's, it's not rectifying. And so they, and, and mine was kind of getting a little bit worse. So they decided to treat it. So they, they took, took that all away which was uncomfortable i was gonna say they don't only in women's healthcare will they take something out of you or cut something out of you without any pain relief because mm. i had to have a biopsy done yeah and i was like are you gonna you know put some numbing cream on or something no no we're just going to snip something off the Ooh. inside of your yeah you person. just hear the little thing go and you're like oh yeah. <laughs> oh and then, okay and then she goes we're just gonna take another one Mm. Like, <laughs> don't tell me just do it <laughs> and then yeah it was just yeah how did you women's. how did you find it because i think uh, you know you're about to go for your first smear and and By a lot the way, of you can ask for a smaller speculum no one has ever told me that no way yes no. i didn't even know that excuse me what yeah <laughs> mm. oh, it's not know. one size fits all no they do so have a smaller one they automatically go for the larger one and then you have to go, excuse me, do you have a smaller one, please? <laughs> and then they go, oh, yeah, would you like that one? Yes, please. <laughs> and so, like, I didn't know that. And I have something called vaginismus, which is basically a panic attack of the vagina. <laughs> this was on sex education, <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. watch it on Netflix. I recently yeah. heard about this for the first time because one of my friends has it, and yeah. she's got two children as well. Yeah. And I just thought, you poor thing, how are you having sex and having babies? Out of a... When your vagina clamps yeah, shut. Yeah, clamping vagina. Yeah. <laughs> Pac-Man. I was, like, I was squeezing my hand for the sake of people who can't see one. It's like a Venus flytrap <laughs> I've got an image of right now. I like to think it of as Mrs. Pac-Man, just... Wow. But yeah, so. so it means sex is very painful. Cervical smears are incredibly painful because my vagina is like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. And you shall you not shall pass. <laughs> Imagine if I had a tiny Gandalf. Just <laughs> is that what we're calling that? Okay. <laughs> God. Um, he would be ginger though. Um, yes, he would. Oh, I love that so much. Um, but yeah, and... I was like, um, I was having my cervical smear, my recent one, where I had found out that I had HPV. And the nurse was like, you're looking quite uncomfortable. And I was like, mm-hmm. And she said, would you like a smaller speculum? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. It was so much better. So just say, okay. Thank if possible. <laughs> it's my first one. Can I have the smaller one? Dip please? it in lube, please. Yeah. <laughs> so all it involves is like a long Q tip. Gardening. Long term. <laughs> Jousting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like a, you know, funny little toothbrush thing. Yeah. It's like it used to be like a mini toilet brush. But it, now it's more of a. Sorry, um, <laughs> brush. Yeah, it's more of a paintbrush, and then they kind of just like dust you a little bit on the inside, <laughs> <laughs> and then they scrape all of that off. Did we describe it as dusting? <laughs> okay, I'm trying to use nice they terms. Sweep, they call it sweeping. 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 Uh, yeah, it's a bit like a, a broom, <laughs> but for your fanny. <laughs> I'm so glad we've got cameras to capture <laughs> all of the hand actions that's going oh on. But so yeah. sweeping your fanny. And then, fine. yeah, and then um, 
chances are you'll find out that you have HPV. <laughs> and basically, don't panic is what I've learned in the last couple of months is don't panic. I would second that. And I think that one of the things that I've noticed recently um, is we've had quite a few users at Scarlet Team kind of coming to us and being like, oh my God, like I'm 20. I've just found out I've got HPV. I will never have sex again. Um, and, you know, like a couple of the others on the panel, I found out last year that I had a HPV infection. I did some did some googling, read the statistics. I was like, okay, this is fine. Um, telling any partners that I have that it's there, and not a single one of them has like told me that I'm a bad person <laughs> or or kind of run screaming out of the door because they just want to get naked with you, like we established. <laughs> they don't care. They're getting naked. And honestly, if they run, if they start like giving me judgment or something the only information that's giving me is that this is not a person that I want to be doing that with anyway True. um you know someone someone that you know deserves to kind of be in that intimate space with you doesn't go ahead and shame you for something that is actually outside of your control and I was doing some reading myself about HPV because obviously there's I think there's 200 strains of HPV and I think um a couple of them cause um are known to cause cancer. Yeah, it's like the high risk of HPV. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, and it depends on what kind of um, in in the ways that they uh, inf infect the cells. So either they they interfere with um, a tumor suppressant pathway, basically, and whether it causes um, a benign sort of overproduction of cells, which is what we consider warts, or it'll make something that forms a cancer. Um, and the HPV vaccines, originally the ones that I would have had because I was the first year to have it, um, covered against two, and now they cover against four. And then... There are some there are some that do more now. You just don't get good. them on the NHS. Oh, well, oh. classic. <laughs> but also, I found out that um, the studies they used to create the vaccines were all based on European women. And actually they found that HPV in black women is, um, HPV caused cancers in black women are caused by different strains of HPV. No so way. even if they're vaccinated against the most common forms, they're not vaccinated against the ones that necessarily would protect them in the future, which is insane to me. So it's almost like you need kind of profiling based on what the high risk HPVs are for you and not. But it just like shows like another bias in failing in our medical establishment again, doesn't it? You know, you know, um, when we kind of think about the research on, on sex and sexuality, the vast, vast majority of it has been done on the default human, i.e., you know, white college boys. Um, <laughs> and if you kind of go into, into PubMed and, and look at um, the number of studies on erectile dysfunction you you hit almost 2000 when whereas if you look at um the number of studies on something like um extreme sexual pain kind of experienced by people with vulvas i uh, i think there's almost 450 that's like only 25 percent of the amount of effort has gone into researching this one thing that like causes extreme pain whereas okay yes i um Erectile dysfunction can be really um, emotionally problematic for people, but it's not going to stop you having sex if you kind of remember that sex does not necessarily equal intercourse. And also everyone knows of Viagra and they know that sort of thing, whereas women, you know, as someone who experienced vaginismus, I was like, what the hell do I do about this? And... I'd never even heard of anyone talking about it. Yeah, and it's, and in, it's one of these things that kind of goes unspoken about. Um, and you almost expect sex to hurt, so... Yeah, it's like I think something like 30% of um, women uh, experience sexual pain and the vast majority of them don't speak up about it. And, and this is... Because, um, you know, we've got this idea that um, the first time is meant to hurt, right? Well, one, that's bollocks, actually. Um, virginity is not a kind of a thing that is cited in your body. There isn't... Um, a grand ripping of the hymen that <laughs> as the whole audience cringe and cross their legs even the men at that point are just like I'm not sure I want to go there actually grand ripping of the hymen I don't oh want to be responsible God. for that 
<laughs> but no, so like uh, the hymen or the corona is actually, it's like this flexible membrane that kind of gradually wears away over time. And part of that might be about sexual activity. Part of that is about hormonal changes. And part um, of it might be you tripped off a curb, you know, it's exactly. just with a jolt. It's, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but then because you kind of go in expecting the first time to be painful and often then it is, but mostly that's about not really being that relaxed, not being that turned on, not using enough lube. Um, and again, because we're like not centering our sex education around pleasure, we're not expecting something great to happen. We're not expecting to be just there enjoying ourselves and seeing, you know, what happens next. Um, we kind of like braced for this pain. We accept this pain. We kind of are like, oh, well, I guess just, you know, having a uterus is pain then, so. <laughs> Everything else about my, my life is pain. <laughs> Sex is pain. But I think, you know, like you say, we're so focused on the physicality of the action of intercourse or whatever it might be, or losing your virginity. And it's most of it, you're saying, you know, are you relaxed? Are you turned on? Are you enjoying it? Are you in pain? It's all, it's very emotional. We, we focus on the physical of getting that in there and doing that and doing it this way, doing it that way. But we should be more focused on the emotional side of it, the psychological side of it, because that in itself, I'm guessing for you, especially Alice, if you're not in the right headspace, that's not going to help things for you and it's going to be more painful and you're not going to be relaxed and it's going to cause more of a problem. Exactly. So it's psychological support. If you're struggling to, to get it up and you're like, oh God, have I got erectile dysfunction? Am I, you know, I'm only 21 and I can't, well, have you been drinking? Have you had this? Have you had that? Like, cause nothing's going to like make things kind of in go head? wrong in inverted commas, like a little bit of pressure, you know, yeah. Yeah. like for anything in our life, you know, pressure affects us. Some people thrive on a bit of adrenaline and put in their best performance. And some people don't, do you know what I mean? Whatever that be, whether yeah. that's standing in front of your work colleagues or, or your you know students around you your cohort and delivering a presentation it's the same thing you're you're there in a scenario where you're about to be intimate with someone that you know you either really like or it's just circumstance or whatever the re whatever led up to that but if something gets in your head about it it's going to spoil the whole thing and and that's it's it's addressing that psychological. And I think that this is why most of the um, conversations I actually have with people when I'm talking about sex and sexuality, okay, I'll, I'll say a few sentences on the mechanics, but most of the time I'm talking about how you feel because that kind of lies under everything else, as you're saying. I think a lot of what well maybe what we were talking about earlier about where we're getting our education from often for kids is porn, and that leads to a lot of misconceptions about what? learning how to have sex from porn is like learning how to go to space from watching Star Wars. There's nothing wrong with l watching Star Wars, but it ain't going to teach you <laughs> how to build a Death Star. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, this is the thing. You like, I remember having sex sexual experiences. Why did I stumble over that word when I said like, I don't know, frotting and everything earlier, <laughs> but um, sexual experience and being like, um, I need to respond to everything with great amounts of vigour instantly because that's what women in porn do. Like, they touch them on the leg and instantly they're like, oh! And I'm like, what porn are you watching? Well, it was the hyperbole. Do you know okay. what I mean? Because women... Sounds women, like they touch some jelly. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. everything is just... It's like everything is... No, it's, yeah, it's just it's so pantomime, isn't it? It's yes. like a, it's it's really over egged. It's you know, it, and it. I guess you know, some people. There's so many different types of porn as well. If we're gonna go there, like, um, I know someone who actually does um, a lot of gay porn, and um, he 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 loves it, and and he's really adventurous with it, and he makes a great living out of it. Um, and for him, he finds it really empowering. But there's a lot of porn out there that isn't empowering yeah. and and is run in a very different way and y you know again you're talking about it's like what kind of porn are you watching and and if you're watching something that's quite um yeah over egged and yeah. the woman is very clearly in a certain role and the man is in another one or the two women are in a very certain <laughs> role and the man is in another one um there's a general theme let's be honest um and and yeah and then 
kids are coming through going, right, I need to make those noises when they do that because that's, I'm not really enjoying it or I'm in pain or, but I'm meant to make those noises. So it's, and then you get the whole thing of people and, just and trying to fake their like, way through it. Porn is a performance. That's, that's what it is. And it's, um, there's nothing wrong with that. But then if you're having sex, do you want the sex that you're having to be a performance? And actually for most of us, most of the time, we're going to have a better a better experience when we're actually just being really genuine about actually can you move that hand like three inches east yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i panicked like, i panicked never <laughs> eat <laughs> shredded we, okay, we've just got a little little insight into yeah, your sex life there <laughs> but i like to use navigation <laughs> i mean i don't know my left and right so <laughs> I, I have to start that, somewhere that works. what is the longitude and latitude of where you would like me to put that <laughs> Go south, south, <laughs> south, south a bit more, south, a, south, a, north, north, <laughs> north, north. And a massive problem is that a lot of women don't actually know what feels good for them too, because I feel like men are really good at being adventurous. Masturbate more. Yeah, definitely. But I know a lot of people are laughing, but explore your body and look in the mirror and, you know, see what things look like, play with yourself. I feel like men are really good at that, but women maybe feel a bit more shame towards it. That's because it's like right there for guys. Do you know what I mean? It's just there. To it's like, obvious. But also, <laughs> how, but but also know, how much of our call? Like, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a mirror. Uh, you know, so it's, 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 again, I think that's part of it. We, you know, for women, again, it's all kind of tucked up there out the way and you've got to go looking for it rather than for men it's, like it's a, a bit more like aha uh -huh, right hello good morning yeah. you know it's different have you and we've talked about sex education but have you watched big mouth on netflix i haven't no, oh, i haven't so good it's nick kroll who i love anyway and he basically wrote like um a cartoon about his sort of like very indirectly about his sex um education and stuff when he was younger and there's this bit where the, they tell the girl's story and they all have a hormone monster who follows them around and tells them to do all the weird things you got told when you were a teenager like I don't know put your dick in that and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was like, told that all the time <laughs> my little head was like ooh um, but yeah and th there's this bit where she like gets a mirror and, and then like her vagina starts talking to her and is like hey <laughs> I've been waiting to meet you. Oh, that's that really sweet. I'll oh my take God. care of you now. That's like, really cute. I didn't do that when I was younger. I did it like I did most things in my like early twenties, and was like, oh shit, I haven't been yeah. looking after myself properly at all because it was so shamed. Mm. Like, yeah, how much of our culture kind of you know there's this narrative that oh you've got a dick then you're horny all the time um, and you must wank a lot, whereas you know. If you Women don't, sexual no, 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 no. That's something that you put up with to get, I don't know, like bought coffee. <laughs> really? But if I mean, I, oh my God, she bought me a coffee. What are you expecting from me? <laughs> oh, Vicky. <laughs> Would yeah. you like to go frotting? <laughs> Always. <laughs> But it's, it's, it is empowering to, as a woman, to have a sexual drive and to admit that. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Whereas, you know, if men are having sex all the time, it's amazing and it's great. And oh my God, it's such a catch. But if you're a woman having sex all the time, you're like, oh, you're sleeping around. This was so one of the misconceptions. I went on Google and I was like, what are the most common misconceptions about sex? And it was that women get looser after they have sex. Like the more you have sex, <laughs> the, you know, the wider you are downstairs. <laughs> also, also, what, since when did we decide that like being tight was a good thing? Yeah. Because right? actually, you know, as we previously discussed, if, if you're kind of like contracting a lot, that's because you're not very relaxed. You might not be that turned on. You're probably not having that good of a time. You just explain like 90% of my sexual experience. It's just not having a good time. Oh, oh I want to give you a hug. Yeah. But not in that way, just in a, oh, maybe, way. Maybe you okay. enlighten my... Okay, moving on. Uh, I, I, yeah, we'll talk Sorry. later. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, uh, and also, it's the whole, um, are you getting a bit flushed? Yes. Um, it's the whole like um, misconception as well about um, how women orgasm on how like so they say 70% of women don't orgasm um, by just penetration alone but actually a lot of those studies just asked women do you um, do you come by um, just pen uh, by penetration not also adding the caveat of like are you also being stimulated in other ways and so it's probably more like all women don't come via penetrative sex and like 
that misconception as well. I think it has been exacerbated by porn. Is that like yeah? There's there there is a button there. Press it. Do you know what I mean? And you know, everyone everyone um, well, is going to work the same way every single don't time. Don't, don't, you, you're not don't trying press to get it. blue tack off a wall. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh God, that's that. Yeah, that's making me cross my legs. Wow. I think that's the Sorry, worst image. So I'm just imagining yet. that. Do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> and then when you wow. get another bit of blue tack, and you rub on it to get. <laughs> oh my God. Having such a bad time. <laughs> okay, we must talk after. There was a, they got blue tack out, and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. Yeah. But um, <laughs> where were we? Sorry, I'm gone on the blue tack thing. <laughs> we, we were talking about vaginal orgasms oh, or yes. not? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So the whole tight thing. That's what we were talking are we, about. Are we, we're going back to the yeah. tight things. So, okay. Uh, in terms, Vicky of, has questions about the tight. I do, but you know, this is about the science of sex, right? So. Um, we're talking about muscle contraction. We're talking about, um, you know, you're saying in order to enjoy sex and, you know, if you're not enjoying it, are you turned on enough? Have you got enough lube? Like all of these things. So there is a science behind sex and a lot of the time, maybe we're just kind of doing it, but mm. not thinking about the things that are going to make it pleasurable for us to enjoy. So but yeah. I think a lot of people do have, if they've not had much sex education, and you do just consider sex a penis going in a vagina, then that's kind of where your mindset stops with it. And I think if we spoke more about, like you said, the fact that it's about having fun, it's about having a good time, sex doesn't necessarily mean penetration. Um, then, although in the medical profession it kind of does, I remember being told that I didn't need a smear test because I was a lesbian. <gasps> what? Yes, from a, from a GP when I was at university. <gasps> That's not cool. And that's obviously very, very wrong. Yes. uh, As your fanny has proven. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I had HPV. Take that. (laughs) Take that, GP. See, I was just proving a point. (laughs) See how far I go to just be right. (laughs) See how much fun I had just to to get to that point. Um, But yeah, it's, it's about all of those other aspects. And if we're talking about the science of sex, then... I think we need to talk more about orgasms and getting turned on and 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 just everything that that is entailed and in that broadening our definition of messiness. what sex is. Yeah. And you're right. I mean like um people kind of have this idea of like oh I have to be perfect, I have to look perfect, I have to I don't know taste perfect, I have to um not make any strange noises but once you're actually really in the flow of it and really having a good time, mess happens, you know, queefing happens. <laughs> like Queef, that's another bingo. Queef, yep. <laughs> oh I, I didn't we put need it in specially <laughs> for you. Bingo cards well, ready for this podcast. Said. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. But yeah, in, and but we that should be part of sex education. Absolutely. And that should be part of, you know, what stuff like that I just think is way more useful because that's the stuff we get hung up about and again we're going back to the whole you get anxious about it then you're anxious about it you're not relaxed you're not enjoying it and then it puts you off or you just go along with whatever you think your partner wants but you're not necessarily prioritizing what makes you happy and what you want yeah and I think that until like um you start reevaluating your definition of what good sex is and what bad sex is um you're you're gonna go and have a lot of pretty unfulfilling experiences some of the time. Like one of the things that um, frustrates me is, you know, if we kind of rely on the binary again for our examples, um, for men, like the definition of bad sex tends to be about, oh, I wasn't like super, super turned on. I didn't come or it was like a little bit boring. Um, whereas for like women, the when you ask them about bad sex, they talk about pain, they talk about feeling unsafe. They talk about, um, you know, like being sore or or bleeding or, or, or things like this. Um, and and then, well, if, if your definition of bad sex is, well, it hurt, then your definition of good sex becomes, well, it didn't hurt. So it must be good. <laughs> the yeah. bare minimum of like, I was okay. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Where I survived. <laughs> oh God. And, and this is oh, where that took a really. No. This isn't a crime podcast. Oh my God. No, we're not doing real crime. No, but you know, you survived the experience, and and you weren't pain. We weren't in pain. You weren't yeah. like you know. They seemed to come. They were happy. Yeah. You know, there's this kind of tick list of things that you you think. Yeah, but I think when you start having sex, that's that's kind of where you're at. You're like, yeah, but I just want them to have a good time. And this is why we need to like center the pleasure thing because you know if um if oh it it didn't do me harm becomes like your 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 bare minimum then you you might find that um you're kind of accepting more and more things that like you don't feel that great about but i guess it's okay cuz i mean i think like that he's a good guy right like oh, God. <laughs> um, whereas and you don't have like this reason for like not doing something um, and I don't think that we teach enough that you can just you can just not do that. Like if if you don't feel great about it, um, but until you understand that the reason that you might do it is because you might be feeling really good about it, then you don't understand. Um, like you, you you think that you need a good reason to to, to say no or whatever it. Are we going to talk about consensual sex and and? I'm, I'm I think you mean sex. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean in terms of consent and someone saying no and or what they're comfortable with or what they're not comfortable with, and and I think it's everybody's right in their sexual journey to turn around and go yeah. Just because I'm happy to do that does not necessarily mean I'm happy to do that at the moment. So there are also boundaries within. A sexual encounter, 100%. which some, it's not just a green light that's go and then you can do whatever you want. And you, well, you've said yes, so it's fine. Well, consent isn't an action. It's a state of being. It's yeah. like this is a this is an ongoing thing that we're both doing. We're both constantly giving and receiving consent, possibly verbally, possibly non-verbally. Um, uh, but unless you're like maintaining that awareness of like where you are and where your partner is, then... You, you can't truly be saying <laughs> that that um, you're doing something that's like truly consensual. Yeah, I think I've got a friend who does sex education, but up in in the north of England, she was saying that because of um, kids are watching porn from the age of eight now, like they've seen porn, whether that's them actively searching it out or someone showing it in school, and um, because of that, it's really normal for like they had like a. Um, uh, a questionnaire and they found that it's really normal for boys around the age of 13 to think that jizzing on someone's face is like the norm and that actually well if I've had sex with a woman I can jizz on her face and there's no like there's no nothing in between that which yeah. is mad and mm. there are plenty of women and men whoever that would be like actually I don't want you to do that yeah like I want to have sex with you but I don't necessarily want you to do that yeah. well I want to have sex with you but the kind of sex that I want to have with you is maybe let's um use our hands on each other's junk but I actually don't feel like anything going in anywhere today and maybe maybe we can call that sex because it is yeah yeah exactly Exactly. And I think a lot of the burden for sex ends up, I I suppose the repercussions of sex and the burden of that lands on women's shoulders, like contraception and things like that is always on our end in that men often don't want to wear a condom. And so then women have to have it as their responsibility and it's so much admin. But okay, oh right. If someone if someone is refusing <laughs> <Much> admin, <laughs> it is admin. I've got a Google Doc and everything. <laughs> no, like I have to take time off work to go to the doctors every single three months because I have uh, weird blood pressure. I can't go every like six months and things like that. So that's time off work to take a pill every single day and make sure because I have endometriosis, that I take it at exactly the same point every single day, and it's like it's not appreciated that that is a lot of time and investment that's gone into making sure that we can have sex and there not be any repercussions and also I find it re- just maybe personal gripes I'm voicing right now <laughs> but when guys are like I don't want to use a condom and it's like okay we're not having sex bye yeah exactly yeah, yeah. like I've done my side of the deal which actually is a lot more complicated and that's a lot more time than purchasing condoms it's it's always on women's shoulders I think not always but you know well I think I think it's also the fact that you know if you say to a guy well why don't you want to wear a condom because it doesn't feel the same you know or because I want to come inside you or whatever the answer might be or I don't like I don't like them they 
irritate me or they always come off or whatever you know there's there's the kind of the general list of things okay, that people one, say go and like find nicer condoms yeah <laughs> why are you there's buying your condoms person. in poundland <laughs> <laughs> and get some nice lube to go with them. and stop getting the banana flavor i hate it <laughs> oh, it I makes my lips tingle it's horrible <laughs> i have a phobia of bananas so well, no, we banana no banana condom <laughs> but in terms of it's quite then you talk to a woman about contraception and whether you've got the implant or you, you're taking one of the forms of the pill or the mini pill or a combined pill or how that affects you or what that does to your skin or mood, mood or, or hormones <laughs> and when you're measuring up and I'm sure we will talk about this in a minute but when you're measuring up the kind of oh I don't want to wear a condom because it doesn't feel as good it's like well I don't want to take the pill because it makes me feel like shit and I've got acne or whatever it might be I I've feel really bloated all the time years. Yeah. yeah how dare you yeah I've, I'm half a stone heavier than I want to be <laughs> because I'm taking some form of con you know there's it the, do these measure up I and I don't again it's about education do guys even think about that do women think you know it's 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 a kind of both sides we do we don't we talk about our own like in our own kind of pack of uh, you know maybe with our friends go oh yeah I'm taking this new pill and it's giving me headaches or oh I can't take that one because I have migraines or you might have that chat with your girlfriends but you might not necessarily have that chat with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whoever you're sleeping your with well, I think I think yeah. this is part of the thing is when we separate out children based on their anatomy when we first start talking to them about sexuality and relationships what we're saying effectively is um well actually half of it is not your problem you don't uh, need to know yeah. that. This is all like taboo and secret and, and hidden. And I think the more that we make sex that's something taboo and secret and hidden, the less that we have like open conversations, the less we learn just from conversations down the pub with our mates. Because actually our mates can be a really, really great source of like information and knowledge if, you know, they read about um, the side effects of the pill and actually um, the contrast between that and the mini pill. And, and you found out yesterday um, about this like uh, great new vibrator or whatever it is. And if you can compare notes happily down the pub, ideally in mixed gender groups, then yeah. you know, you're, you're all learning from one another. But by, by separating us out, by making it something that we don't talk to, we're all kind of like sitting there with our secret shame, our secret pain and, and not ever being able to kind of overcome that. Yeah, and I think I annoy my male friends because I'm so blunt about it. I like make a point of being like, I'm bleeding very heavily today. <laughs> don't oh, annoy me, don't I cross don't me. I don't want them to ever not be knowledgeable of that existing. I'm exactly the same. When I um, got my coil replaced, I had a pretty uh, traumatic experience. Oh. Did you know I've had a tiny metal umbrella opened into my uterus? <laughs> <laughs> and I made the point of like telling every single straight cis dude I ran into for the next month. <laughs> Thank you for my coffee. Did you know that? <laughs> In detail about yeah. the experience. But it, it is mad because there's a whole world that they don't know about that's... What like I always think about the time that um so as I say I have endometriosis which was a nightmare to handle in school because no one talked to you about it and it was like oh I'm just going to bleed profusely and want to faint constantly fantastic and I went it was in a chemistry class and I we used to have to ask to take our jumpers off in school and I used to faint because I was too scared to say can I take my jumper off in school which sets a very low level for how I was going to ask I need to go and change my period pad or like, <laughs> tampon or something and yeah. getting up and being like to the teacher do you mind if I just go to the toilet really quickly and then being like why do you want to go to the toilet in front of the whole class and being like mm. thanks for that and also saying no because they had it was a male teacher and they had no they had no fathom there was no fathomable reason for why a girl who by the way would never skip school because I was always at the front because <laughs> like, like, you loved school I loved school and I, well teachers I, yeah I didn't like yeah but it was it was like I'm not going to text or I don't know do drugs I don't know what you expected me to mm. do <laughs> but why <laughs> I started my period when I was in school and I had a male teacher and I only realized because it was like that classic scene of like blood <gasps> down the back of my trousers and like oh it was so embarrassing and I had a friend sat behind me who was like oh my god by the way you started 
period. And it was so embarrassing because he was embarrassed and I was embarrassed and everyone was laughing and it was so oh traumatic and he just didn't know what to do. So I think there needs to be some kind of like training pack for teachers. And also, do they still separate out for sex ed? Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. know whether they still do. Because, you know, they used to do some that it was like kind of joint and then the boys would be taken off to talk about, I don't know, because I wasn't in the boy group, but <laughs> I don't know, do hard-ons or something. And- um, Rotting. <laughs> Maybe. Or, and then, you know, the girls were taken off to talk about periods and pregnancy and, you know, various things. So, but I don't see the benefit of that because, again, like you said, if everyone got the same information, then guys and girls would both have information about the other. And then there aren't those taboo areas where they're like, you know, some women get really kind of like, oh, no, do, do I put the condom on? Or is he going to put the condom on? Or do I need to get this? Or is he going to get... Just ask. Just talk just to each other. About talk it. to each other. I mean, like, I, my my first boyfriend um, asked me if the fact that I was having nosebleeds that day was anything to do with whether I was on my period. <laughs> oh, God. oh, God. Which, you know, he asked the question. He did. But, I mean, maybe if, like, we'd given some kind of um, education to everyone present, then I wouldn't have needed to like, just, what? Yeah. Like, really? Cause no. In, um, England has given, um, start, has launched a new law about period poverty and how they're gonna give out free tampons and, and um, pads and, and sanitary products. Um, and loads of men were replying with like, well, why don't you just hold it in? Oh God. Are you shitting me? Yeah. Why don't oh. you just hold it in like a wee? <laughs> wow. I can't believe that. What did they think was going to happen? That we would just like swell up with blood on it? Okay. Or, or we were just not doing that all this time. Shit, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah. I've been perioding oh my on myself like a, I'm wearing a nappy <laughs> for 20 years. Just letting it out. Oh and I'm thinking, God. oh shit, I could have held that in. <laughs> Got it out all in oh one go. Oh my God. Or I remember um, with an ex-boyfriend and we were driving along and um, I made a joke about the fact I was on my period and said, oh, it feels like giving birth to a jellyfish. <laughs> and he said, you can tell you've got endometriosis. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, you don't feel it coming out, do you? And I was like, I do have nerve endings yeah, there, yes. Yeah. That's one of the most sensitive parts of a body is your genitals. What? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, no. And I was like, I've been asked, does it come, does it like gush out? Does it drip? What kind of like frequency does it leak <laughs> from you? Depends on the woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just, I've just thought of something and this might not be normal because I have a Everything's normal <laughs> yeah. But like, did you ever do that thing where you go to change your pants and then suddenly yep. in between it's yep. on, yeah, on the floor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The amount of times I had to clean a carpet and be like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to get ready for school. And that's, you know, but again, you want to be able to talk about that. Yeah. And you don't want to feel like you can't because it's embarrassing because you've got, you know, like stuff coming out of your bits. Yeah. Um, we've all got stuff coming out of our bits, whether we're male or female and and yeah, we need to be able to talk about it. And wouldn't it have been so cool if on that day when you came on in school, if one of the guys, one of the boys in your class had turned around and gone, oh, I, I probably it would have been embarrassing, but if they'd just gone, oh, you know, don't I worry. probably would have married him. So yeah, <laughs> like if just been supportive about the fact that, oh, you, I think you've got your period. Yeah. Is there anything I can get you? Or that would have made like such a- massive a, amount of difference. Such so, a difference. So something kind of like that happened to me, kind of. I was in a math class and as we have established, I have endometriosis and I bled all over my, the back of my trousers, like literally filled them. Yeah. And I didn't know. Again, wasn't allowed to leave to change my pad or anything. And I had a group of boys. I was heavily bu bullied in school, by the way. I w I'm a ginger who had train tracks and sat at the front. I was not, you know, <laughs> high on the list of people. It was cool. And all of the boys that were bullying me were sat behind me and I could hear them laughing at me. And I was like, oh no, it's happened. But one of them, the one that was the worst bully, but had older sisters, went, it's not funny, guys. 
that's not something to laugh about. Oh, bless oh. him. And I had a that's tiny a, bit more respect for him after that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you are a dick, but at least you understand <laughs> the basics of human functions. And hopefully you're going to lose your dick status as you grow up a little bit more and mature. No, I follow hopefully him on Facebook. Oh, is he still a dick? <laughs> <laughs> that's disappointing. Okay, there goes my hope in the world <laughs> right there. Crushed. Oh, well. But at least he didn't laugh at that. Yeah. Yeah. But at the very least. <laughs> at the very least. It's a little bar raise. Yeah. Um, it would have been helpful to have been taught about how to manage your periods as well, because obviously you're taught you can use tampons or you can use pads, but you're never taught like... Or a cup. Should I, yeah, a cup. or a cup. But you're never taught I should like carry spare underwear. Should I like carry... Um, paracetamol or like painkillers or things like that and just like those little things that you pick up as you grow up and but we're taught like long division <laughs> when, 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 theorem. when in your adult life okay that's Never i realize some people do this but like some people do but like what proportion of the population in their adult life does kind of complex trigonometry <laughs> And what proportion of the population in their adult life has to manage a period? Yeah. Mm. Or has True. sex with another human being? Yeah. True. And you talk about it once when you're... Yeah, there should be more waiting, <laughs> shouldn't there? really embarrassed teacher who's just like, oh, I just remembered something. Um, I remember having... <laughs> I love all these stories that are coming to life. I remember having a, a teacher, it's because I said embarrassed teacher, and she was bright red. She was so embarrassed. She must have been quite young. She must have been like... 21 but like that's quite young when you think of teachers and she was bright red because she had to give us sex ed and um she was talking about genital warts and a boy in my class was like put his hand up i've got gen i've got warts and she was like what <laughs> what do you want me to do with that information <laughs> down there and like she you could see the panic in her eyes of like i need to do something about this oh shit and he was like no on my knee <laughs> and the relief of like oh <laughs> I thought I was going to have to report something, write something down, fill out a load of forms. Fill out a form, yeah, yeah, always. Or just gently suggest he went and saw his doctor. Yeah. Yeah. You can have them frozen off, pal. <laughs> but do you think the history... No biggie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think the history, though, of, you know, sex education and, and just info in that whole area of our bodies has always kind of been, right, well, the, your father will talk to sons and um, you know it's expected that mother will pass on information to daughter father will in pass on information to son and then you're relying on the sex education of however many generations back yeah. which which again could be completely wrong which like my grand's generation was basically like you're you're not you're you're less worthy if you're a woman who has sex so, so like that's only two degrees of separation from me right now like 1920s women were not experiencing the same or they were but it was heavily shamed and you couldn't get married if you'd had sex outside of wedlock and your child was a bastard and all of this stuff like that's only two degrees of separation away from what i'm learning and no wonder my mum didn't know what a fanny looked like or your thingy yeah <laughs> your thingy. Your bits and i wish there was some kind of like cultural you know whether in whether that's in school but i wish there was some sort of way to account for cultural differences as well because the school that i went to was majority asian kids and it was a lot of it was like even more taboo than normal and people were so ashamed to talk about it so we should yeah take that sort of stuff into account as well and haven't there been quite there been some uh, incidents recently of of some schools and and the parents faith schools writing to the parents to kind of almost encourage them to write back to the school to take their kids out of certain sex education or to stop them being taught about same sex relationships or whatever it might be so you've also got that built into it so again depending yeah. on where you are brought up and and your cultural beliefs or you know the people that you hang around with then that's also impacting on the information that you're getting because you could be a kid that your parents have already decided that you're not going to be exposed to a s whole, whole area. Because if you don't tell them, they won't do it. Well, yeah. yeah. See, if you don't Ab know, you won't do it. <laughs> Abstinence only doesn't work, guys. Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think that's it for this live episode of Inside the Petri Dish. So thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.